Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. Howdy and welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, of course, Bez Ben. Hi, my name is Ben. And then we have Courtney uh, Boyer. Boyer, is that correct? Yes, it is. Beautiful. Hello, Miss Courtney. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful Sunday day uh, or Sunday evening for you. Uh, thank you. Uh, coming from Germany all the way across <laughs> the world. Uh, pretty wild time. How long have you been in Germany? Um, for four years. Do you like it? Do you hate it? What's up? What's the what's what's the lowdown? Love it. I love living in Europe. It's fantastic. I would imagine being able to like take the train places would be kind of nice, or just like be able to go. Pl- yes. oh, I just the public transit just seems to be a convenience. Yes, it is. I actually um, took my mom to Paris this last like a, a few days ago, just for one night, and we spent two full days there, and it was fantastic. Oh yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, so for, I know you already told me, but what what brought you out to Germany? Um, my husband's job, so he is in the U.S. military, and we are stationed here. What a job, you know? Yes. I mean, a career indeed. How, how does it feel to be a the, – the, uh, there's, I feel like there's a word for it, but like the, the wife of a, uh, you know uh, – A military spouse? A military spouse. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. How does it feel being a military spouse? Uh, I mean, good. I mean, we've been married for – almost 19 years. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's pretty like normal part of our life. I've heard, you know, a lot of mixed things where it's either a super awesome experience and also where it's a super challenging experience. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I guess it helps that you guys have, have been together for as long as you have. Uh, mm-hmm. Was he in the military when you, when you first started? You guys oh, first no. Started dating? oh, no, no, no. He definitely wasn't. Um, and so we're a little different. My, my husband's a physician. So he, decided to join after he got into medical school. <laughs> so it was not part of the path at all. <laughs> Very cool. Why did he take the path? Um, I think he, well, so he really admired his grandpa who was a World War II Purple Heart recipient and had a really close relationship with him. And then he, there was a really, I mean, to be honest, a really great recruiter there from the army and he just sold the life and uh, my husband was pretty open and loved the idea of serving his country and traveling. And so I said, okay, if this is what you want to do, let's do it. So, Love it. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I love to hear about him, but at the same time, I want to hear more about you, right? <laughs> okay. we're, we're here to learn learn about you today. So Great. tell me a little bit about why you currently exist in the world. What do you, What is it that you yes. do? Gosh, why do I currently exist? Um, so I am a relationship and sexuality expert, and I'm also the author of Not Tonight, Honey, Why Women Actually Don't Want Sex and What We Can Do About It. Oh, this is going to be so fun. <laughs> I'm going to tell, tell you about all my relationship problems, and I need your help. Fantastic. I am actually an expert in them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, think, I, I think a lot of us have. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a, common, a common thing that we find. It's just relationships tend to be for whatever reason, I think difficult, you know, like, um, is that something that you find that is common? Do people, most people find relationships to be hard? Um, I think it depends. So I think that, you know, humans can be hard and humans in relationships make for hard things to happen. So, you know, we are, we are constantly, you know, growing and changing. And even if we 
feel like we're not changing that much. We still are experiencing things and that affects our ability to show up in relationships. Yeah. I, I'm currently in a, we're going to get a little bit, I guess I know I, I normally not super personal on the, on this side of it, but I think okay. it, it's fitting. Um, so here, here we go. Hopefully, you know, this doesn't go, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So I've heard I, it all. Don't uh, be just, Tell me what you got. <laughs> uh, it's it's less about um, me telling you. It's more about the the listenership, right? So like, I don't know. Okay. It, it, everybody gets a, a little bit of a, a a lens into exactly what this guy's going through. They're like, I don't know, <laughs> man. This this guy's kind of a wild dude. So I think that's it's more about that for me. Uh, okay. Like putting that stuff on social media or on, on on out in public is, I think, vulnerable. You know, um, of course, so absolutely. I just finished, yeah. So I just finished meeting with my therapist a little while ago, which is. Uh, a, a, you know, something that we have been doing for a long time now. Good. And it just, it seems that there are patterns that are easy to fall into of, of being dissatisfied between mm-hmm. relationships. And it seems that it's very possible that you know, I wonder at what point do, do, do I put a stop to the, the repetitive pattern of either something within the, the relationship itself or mm-hmm. on a bigger scale or a bigger picture where I continue to find eh, about three years and I'm out, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. it's usually right about where I figure out, ah, I think I'm done. Um, mm-hmm. Questioning whether if I can even be in a long-term relationship, is that is if that's sure. something that I'm even designed to be able to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what's your question? <laughs> ah, good point. Um, <laughs> Is that normal? I mean, is it normal to like to have the like to let's say I guess to not be in in a long term relationship? Is that is that the the is it the ideal for a long term maybe uh, healthier lifestyle, or is it normal just to be able to go through you know these three year relationships and then move on? Yeah. So I don't really love that question, is is it normal? Because I don't think that it serves anybody by answering that. What I'm more interested in is why you find yourself in a pattern where you're stuck every three years of like, peace out, I'm jumping ship. I think that what a lot of people fail to realize is that relationships are mirrors. And so we continue to attract people that are meant to teach us something. And so we will continue to engage in patterns and you know, attract similar types of partners until we learn whatever it is or heal whatever it is that we need to heal before we're really ready to embrace love for ourselves and then love for another person. It seems that a lot of my, if I look back on most of my partners, they tend to fit like these, I guess, these general concepts of like caring individuals, high achieving individuals. And it, and I, I mean, I absolutely love it. And I think part of a a problem, maybe that I have, maybe it's not a problem, depending on, um, is a, an enjoyment of getting to know about people. And I think mm-hmm. that that it's helpful in in this space of, of podcasting, where every single conversation is a fun conversation. I get to mm-hmm. learn a little bit about somebody new, but at the same time in my romantic relationships, maybe not the most ideal where it's like, yeah, you might like really like getting to know people, but at what point is there a boundary of, okay, I have really gotten to like this other individual and now, but that's not okay anymore. Cause I'm still with this other person rather than mm-hmm. just being a serial monogamous, which is, I don't think necessarily healthy either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it depends on what your 
ideal relationship is. I'm a big fan of, I don't, I don't tell people that you need to find one person. You only have one soulmate and you're just, there's something wrong with you. If you can't like nail that down by the time you're 35 and then you need to be monogamous with them for the rest of your life. So like, I I don't prescribe to that. Um, I don't believe in that. I think that traditional monogamous relationships work for some individuals and non-traditional relationships work for other individuals. And so I think that what I would encourage you to do is what kind of relationship style am I most drawn to? What, how does that line up with my values, with my lifestyle, with my desires, and then find partner, a partner or partners that reflect the, the latter. It's, I always thought that there was going to be an answer to how, you know, like there was, you know, the white, you, you go to college, you, you buy the house, you get the white picket fence, you, you meet this yeah. girl in college and you're like, man, I'm going to start a family and I'm going to yep. wave to my neighbors and offer coffee in the morning. And it just seems that life is much more um, ambiguous than that. There, there's so Absolutely. much nuance and really understanding of what works for me is, is different with it, what's going to work for you, or it could be different than what works for me five years ago or five years in the yes. future. Yes. And that's absolutely. what's, I think, difficult. It's a constantly moving target. Yes. No, I totally agree. I think really we've been sold a lie that, and I see this with a lot of the female clients that I work with. I work with, you know, all genders, but especially my, you know, traditional female clients who are, you know, they did that. They're like, okay, like I went to a great school and I married the white knight and, you know, I got a corporate job and then we bought a house and then we had kids and then we did all this and they're miserable. Like they are unfulfilled and they're resentful and they're exhausted. And they are like, this cannot possibly be everything that there is to life. And it's a really tough awakening for them. Uh, I mean, I, I went through it myself too. So I am fully aware of that. And I think that we have to do a better job of speaking up and saying, you know, we're, we're being fed a lie. Like that's not the reality for a lot of people. And it doesn't have to be the path. Like there are so many paths. And like what I encourage my kids to do who are 10, 12 and 14 is, you know, you get to des- design the life that works for you. If that's being with one person out of college, you marry your, your college or your high school sweetheart, that's fantastic. I will love you and support you. If that is living on a commune when you have like four wives, like great, awesome, good for you. Like as long as you're making the world a better place, I really don't care. Um, but just living authentically and in alignment with who you are is is what I'm more concerned about than who you go home with at night or who's in bed with you or how many partners you have. I think maybe it's that there, there is no answer. The answer is there whatever is works. Which and that's freaks the most a lot of people much- out. Yes. It's, it's, it can be overwhelming, I guess, you know, because absolutely. Yeah. It's just, I thought there was supposed to be an answer, you know, like in, in science, it's, you know, it's, it's quite binary. You have have a good understanding of uh, a calorie equals this amount of energy (laughs) that's released, you know, it's super easy. Um, If I work out more then I'm going to probably lose more weight. Right. Versus relationships is just such a figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you got to yeah. try a lot of things to figure it out. Yeah. I think what you need to do first, though, is to really learn how to trust yourself and to really learn that self-awareness. Because I do believe that we kind of innately know, like some people are just kind of wired a certain way. But what happens is that we like 
silence that we, we deny those desires and we're like, no, that's, that's weird. That's not, mm, no, we can't do that. So then we don't pursue that. And then what ends up happening is we live a life out of integrity. And then of course we end up in these relationships that fail or these family systems or whatever, because we're not meant for that, but we were too scared at, for a variety of very valid reasons, usually to really pursue whatever those desires, original desires were. And so that's why I'm, I, if I will give anybody who needs permission to go figure out what it is that you need and what lights you up and what makes you feel complete or what makes you feel supported, because that that's really how we create communities and societies that are full of love and joy and, and not what we're currently in. What are we currently in, Courtney? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea. I've not, not watched the news for a while, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, this is kind of, it's, it's oddly refreshing to hear. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. kind of nice. Um, how does somebody practice? Do you have ways of practicing trusting yourself? How, how does somebody mm-hmm. do that? Yeah. So by you increase self-trust by increasing self-confidence. And so what that means is we start to identify the things that make us feel confident about ourselves. And it's kind of like the whole chicken and the egg. Well, I can't feel confident about myself unless I know what makes me feel confident. And I don't know what makes me feel confident until I do things that make me feel confident. So what I try to do with my clients is to really help them. I'm like a, I like to call myself a pleasure activist. So I try to help them figure out how they can create a pleasure-centered life. Because when people are in a pleasured state, and I don't mean necessarily sexual pleasure, because that's where everybody's mind goes. They're like, oh, I hear pleasure. I think orgasm. I think climax. I think, you know, getting off. And that's, sure, that's a small piece of it. But if we look up what pleasure means in the dictionary, it's like a, a state of happiness or things that bring you joy. And, and that is what I'm concerned with helping people come back to is helping them to identify what are the things that bring me joy? What are the things that I innately desire? Do I desire to be around a lot of people? Do I desire to be, you know, in a cave by myself and like, you know, typing on codes and all of those things? Do I desire to like be in the woods or in big cities? Or do I desire just to hold this cup of coffee and really just inhale that in and find the pleasure in those little moments and when we start to incorporate those intentional moments into our life that are filled with pleasure or joy or tuned into our desires, that's when we begin to build trust in ourselves. And then that's when we start to say, yeah, okay, like I, I know what I need to do here. And then we start to take action from that place. I like that a lot. I think sitting in that moment of, you know, I I would journal quite a bit and Especially in the mornings, where I can, where I used to live on a on a nice sized plot of land, and you just walk outside and you have a little cup of coffee, and to watch the cows or to hear the cows mooing and being disgusting <laughs> animals, and then like being able just to listen to what's going on and write that down and make like, wow, this is actually something I really enjoy, right? I, yeah. I like sitting by the water and and having a cup of coffee, or uh, I, I like to go and have a, a fitness coach or class, right? That's something mm-hmm. that I enjoy. Yeah. And so I think just leaning into those things and trusting that those things are safe and they're okay. Yeah. Is, is the, the kind of sounds like the, the ticket or the key. I think it's for whatever reason, it seems to be easy to get away from. Oh, absolutely. Because what you just described is not productive. 
you are not producing. And if you are not producing, then you do not add value to my company. You don't add value to whatever it is. And so that is how we measure our worth is our ability to produce. And then companies, society, they want us to consume. And so if we're out here in the middle of nowhere, listening to, you know, Betsy the cow and drinking our, you know, Starbucks latte, like we're not a part of the machine. We cannot be controlled. We cannot be pressured. We cannot do all of those things. And I think that when we really start to live in a more pleasure centered life, that is when we start to like, it's really an act of resistance. It's an act of resistance against, you know, the patriarchy, against society, whatever it is that you want to call it, that says, I'm choosing to put myself and my desires first. And from that, I can live in alignment and that's where abundance comes and that's where all of the good things. But we live in such a scarcity and fearful mindset that that forces us to be in that produce-consume cycle. It, yeah, it, that's, that, was, that was so well said. Thank you. That was so well done. <laughs> Have you talked about this before or something? I don't know. This is wild. I mean... Well, not actually. I mean, I talk about very, that's one of the things I love about these podcasts is that I get like people will ask me a question in a certain way and I've never said it that way before usually. And so I haven't said that typically in that way. Yeah. Clip it. Um, (laughs) I I think that that's why it's also why I appreciate the podcast. It's, you know, it's a meeting of the minds. We we have this like boiling pot that we're both like just putting information in and then whatever comes out of it is very unique to that moment in time and then you get Absolutely. to record it and then i like, can save it forever and then you know i always think like whenever i have friends or like you you are now considered a friend if i have uh, somebody who comes hey, I love on friends. Pod- <laughs> right they're the best um uh, you get to like in case the worst thing ha- like worst case scenario happens and that person it you know they leave the earth they they pass away yeah. then there there's a memory of that person that i got to share with them and yeah. god that's just like the most beautiful thing for me i just like yeah. Like I could listen to that over and over and over again. It's like, oh man, she said it like this, or you know, he said it like that. And like <laughs> yeah. we laughed about the stupid shit. And like that's I don't know, it's super valuable. And I think that yeah. it it is very much so uh, an act of resistance to and, and I don't know, upbringing, it's like very Catholic upbringing where it's mm. it was no, 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 like do you're not supposed to really have a good time, right? Sex oh. is bad. <laughs> Absolutely um, not. No. <laughs> yeah. Pleasure is a distraction or sometimes it's a reward. It is never the path ever. And you're preaching quite the I'm, opposite. I'm preaching the opposite. I think that we have got it completely wrong. And that is why I work with so many burned out, disconnected, depleted individuals because they have shunned pleasure and they have shunned like who they are and their desires and felt like there was something wrong with them because they felt or believed the way that they did. And I'm here to say, no, those, those desires are meant for you. Like they were, there is a direct reflection of the incredible person that you are and that you are meant to be here on this earth. And when we deny that, that is blasphemous. (laughs) It's very inauthentic. And I think the the people that it's not just the individual that lives a maybe a less fulfilling life but it's also the the people around them that they could have had a bigger impact on yes, right like absolutely yeah you do nobody any favors by shrinking yourself 
I'm going to cry. <laughs> oh, that's okay. This is a safe space. Don't shrink yourself, Ben. Don't shrink yourself. <laughs> I won't. I won't. But Good. It, it's, it is definitely, I think, a hard practice. And But at the same time, something very simple. You know, it's it's adding yeah. in those little things of uh, go out and have that conversation with that person. Just mm-hmm. and some people are just they're not going to take to it and but you know what you you kind of know your tribe. Like that well that's not my people, right? Like yeah. maybe I don't belong at, at that specific bar or that or or that specific gym or yeah. in that book club, right? Like and then you finally find the place that you are supposed to be and then you unlock this like different side of not a, not a different side of you, but the person that was always really there that just didn't have Absolutely. again the the safe place to to be vulnerable to to giggle and laugh like ridiculously the way that you you know other people might laugh at you for, but like that's genuinely how you like to belt you know like it's it's yeah. you know it's yeah it's very fulfilling potentially Absolutely. very fulfilling yeah it can be and I think too knowing that who what you discussed about, you know, the podcast and the beautiful moments that we can share, like that is what we have the opportunity to do with people in real life in communities too. Like, and just because I'm a part of this book club or this gym or whatever right now, doesn't mean I have to be there forever. It means I can be present in this moment, in this season of however long that is, be my most authentic self, give, receive, and then continue on. I think I there's a fear that's associated with like again maybe this is just these the same idea that just I guess framed in a different way it's just that there's there's a fear with leaning into I think maybe and maybe it is that trust a fear of leaning into those pleasure centers I I personally have gone yeah. through some some addiction in my life and I I kind of think I I struggle with understanding that where is the line of this is pleasure good versus pleasure bad, right? Because I've gone yeah. down the pleasure bad of, yep. uh, you know, whatever drug or or yep. um, alcohol that I was consuming, uh, or even just getting addicted to to doing work to the point where I forget about home life, you know, or my own, my own personal life. Yeah. And so I think being an addict is makes it it may, almost harder to trust myself. But I don't know that it needs to Absolutely. be that way necessarily. But I don't know that that's true. No, I don't I don't think so. I think that the the addictive part of us, we have to remember that it is there to protect us from pain. So that there's some type of pain that we experience, some type of trauma that the addict part of us believes that the only way to keep us safe from re-experiencing that is by drinking or by using or by shopping or you know going to the gym or whatever. And so I think that I, I was interviewed on another podcast and someone asked me, you know, well you can drink but for for pleasure but then when does it become an addiction and i said they're not even related people don't people who are addicted to alcohol don't drink for fun they drink to numb the pain like you're not out there because you're like this is a great gin and tonic i just really love how like the the fusion of the berries you know they're like dude i want to get fucked up and like this is going to do it the best way so i don't have to deal with this pain they're not interested in pleasure they're interested in avoiding pain and that's a whole other topic. And so I think when when we're aware of that and we acknowledge that and because we've been fed that fear of like, I'm going to enjoy the chocolate cake, but then if I really get into my pleasure, I'm going to eat the whole freaking thing. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe. But like, if you're doing it from a place of love because you are honoring that desire to have some chocolate cake, like that, that's not, 
the entire cake, typically. I mean, maybe in some very rare instances, but really saying, you know, I'm going to honor myself by stopping after one or two pieces. And because that's all I need, I don't need to do this extra thing because then I'm going into escapism or avoiding and numbing. How did you start your, did you ever struggle with finding your own pleasure? Like, I don't know, you, you, oh. you kind of said yes, but like, <laughs> how did you, you know, fight, how, how did, at what point were you self-aware to the point of, oh, this is, I'm avoiding the, the pleasure centers. And then now how do I readjust and then live a life that's more authentic? So I grew up very religious. Um, I grew up in a purity culture. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, in the evangelical Christian church, it's very much yeah. the emphasis is on waiting to have sex before you, um, waiting to have sex until after you get married. And so like the whole, you know, purity pledge, we had purity rings, you know, this, you save, save yourself for your future spouse. And if you don't, you're basically a whore and God is going to damn you to hell. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's a whole thing. So I grew up, I grew up like that. <laughs> Look at me now. Um, no, I grew up like that. And so I got married very young at 22. Um, I had never had sex with anyone besides my husband when I got married. And I did not really have any clue what I was doing. I was really focused on being the best wife, whatever that meant. And so making myself sexually available, I had a high sex drive. And so I felt like, okay, like this is great. And when you're married to somebody who's studying for the boards and in medical school and residency, and he's not around a whole lot, then you think, and then when he is, he's really tired. You, you're like, well, there's something wrong with me. Like the, uh, clearly he, you know, isn't interested in me. And so then that's pleasure. This whole idea of receiving pleasure, it was never even on my radar. It was very much like I, I'm a human giver. I give pleasure. I make sure that, you know, our three kids are taken care of and that the, the house is Pinterest worthy and, and all of those things. And then I basically had a breakdown, not like a mental breakdown, but just, uh, I can't do this anymore. Like I am, I'm not in love with you anymore. I don't love this life. Like I've done all of the right things for all of the wrong reasons. And I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. And so that really led, you know, me to figure out what, what kind of marriage did I want? What kind of relationship would I want? What kind of life did I want for myself, for my kids? And realize that I, <laughs> I, I didn't believe in monogamy for myself. And so that led me into exploring non-monogamy and what that looked like in, in my life. And that really opened up a whole world of pleasure and what that meant. And so that's how I started to really change my own mindset about what living a pleasure-centered life meant and what that looked like and then how I can incorporate that into all areas of my life. It's a process. <laughs> it is. A long one. Yeah. It is. Yes. It's something that you really, oh, gosh, it is, it, it's painful. Like it is hard. It is hard to do the work to really be like, to admit, like I did everything quote right. And I I'm not happy. I, I, I fa you feel like a failure. You feel like I did something wrong. And then I kept hearing the same stories from other women who did the same thing. And then I finally realized maybe it, we're not the failure. Maybe society is failing us by telling us what we're supposed to be. And that was what really led me down this crazy path and writing a book and the whole thing. I am, I don't like, 
the fact that you were i don't know man it's just it's it's inspiring and i think it's also like it makes me feel more comfortable to 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 realize that it it does take time and it is a process and just because i'm in this current situation of of being unhappy and i'm and i'm really in the moment of like really struggling right now of being the the, having this odd confusion of what relationships are supposed to be like and what are they like to me but then what should they quote unquote be like and well let me talk to my mom about it and then like (laughs) my my, right mom's supposed to know well mom gives me mixed answers from one year to the other year and then at the you know, at the end of some relationships, my mother's like, "Yeah, she wasn't the right one for you anyway." It's like, well, why did you? Why were you trying right. to get with her to begin with? Like, oh my god, you know. And so if it, it, it's yeah. at the end of the day, it only feels like the the person that can be trusted is Ben, because there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of inputs from a lot of sources and yeah. constantly inundated with what a quote unquote perfect relationship should look like. Yeah. But the more that I am in therapy, the more that it is, the more that I realize it is it is unique to me and. And there are so many different ways to look at a person's yeah. life. And that's yes. fucking beautiful. And it, I think that's what allows us to live such cool journeys and adventures. But at the same time, it it is kind of like feeling lost at times. But that is part Absolutely. of what an adventure exactly is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could, I could hand you the roadmap and be like, Please? this is exactly what you're going to do. <laughs> right. But then like what? then you're a robot. Is that what you want? Like you just want to check the boxes. And I I get it because that feels safe because in our brains, predictability is equivalent to safety. And that's what we need to stay alive in our brain. And like the idea of growth and and predictability and like spontaneity, like that can freak us totally out. And that's that, that, I get it. That feels unsafe for a lot of people. And so a lot of the work that I do in the beginning with clients is really creating that sense of safety inside of them so that they realize that they are safe, that they belong to themselves, and that they are the only ones that can be that guide for where they need to be. Are there groups and places for people to go? Like, how do you recommend people to, to get out and explore these different ideas? Do you listen to what they're like, kind of telling you and just like, urge or direct a little bit like guide? You mean like when, when people come to me, like to ask for, yeah, I think it it depends. So like what their goal is. And I'm a big believer in like my, my, the three E's for me is like education, um, education, empowerment, and encouragement. So those are the three things that really guide how I interact with clients or even just friends. And so if their goal is to, you know, find the one or to, gosh, you know what? I just really like want to explore and just kind of see what, then I'm like, okay, well, where do we start? Do you want to explore based on sexual preferences? Do you want to explore based on emotional? Do you want to explore based on, you know, like travel or hobbies or sports? Like where do we begin? And so finding those little like niches of where like, Ooh, I got kind of like a little spark when you asked me, you said sports. Okay. So like, let's, let's look inside and like explore really what this would look like for you or what that would feel like. And that's one of the things I I try to focus on is how do you want to feel? Because there's a lot of ways that we can feel a certain way, but a a lot of people think, oh, well, if I want to feel happy, then I have to check all of the boxes and do all the things. Well, no, I mean, there's a lot of different things that can make you feel happy. It's just nobody lo- really talks about them. 
It could be something as simple as doing the dishes. I fucking hate yes. doing the dishes. Totally wrong. I, I hate it. But yeah. for at times, do, like, doing my laundry is one for me. I that like is definitely doing my laundry one. too. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah. Laundry, <laughs> I, 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 will, I, I purchased a, a lot of uh, like sets of clothing. So like I have all the same brand of underwear, all the same brand mm-hmm. of socks. And, and then so I bought like 30 of these and 30 of those. <laughs> and I'm not going to wash – and do I'm going to do laundry for at least a week and a half to two weeks. Yeah. But then when I finally get to the point of doing it, it is oddly relaxing, putting some yes. jams on and then doing the laundry and then moving forward. I, yeah. I It's weird that I enjoy yes. it, but I, I never thought I would. It, but at the same time, it's not this, at the same pace as maybe somebody else, right? So in, in my current situation, again, we're getting a little more vulnerable. Um, it, it, like This individual likes to do laundry immediately. So mm-hmm. like there there is no mess allowed. And for a long time now, I've realized, or I finally realized, man, I kind of, I, I really miss doing, like taking, like, mm. it's part of my self-care where I have yeah. the time to do it for Ben, where I can listen to a podcast and just relax. And it's, it's enjoyable for me, especially uh, I have insane weeks at times. And I was, I would like to just be able to have that time to just relax yeah. Um, yeah. and a point of contingency, an odd point of contingency where an individual is not willing to really compromise in that space. And I'm not really willing to, like, and then I'm, I feel like I'm missing out on something that provides value for my life. Um, And I think that's, I think maybe a a benign conversation to some people, but it really does add value to my life. And so then therefore I need to honor that and, and be respectful of that. Yeah. And I think that it's important that you're aware. I'm just going to do a little bit of coaching for you here. Um, I think (laughs) it would be really aware of the language that you use around it because it seemed like you were dismissing a lot of the feelings that you had around that activity that brought you peace and joy. And I think that we do that a lot is that we discount an activity that may not be celebrated by most people and we, we shrink it, right? We are like, well, like that's weird or like it shouldn't matter or whatever. And it's like, no, take up that space, like own it. Like I love doing that. That brings me joy. And it makes me, when you want to do the laundry right away, it makes me think that like, you don't really care how I feel about myself and doing things that care that are reflect self-care for me. And that makes me feel really sad and it makes me feel unsafe or whatever it is. That's really good. Thank you. I, <laughs> I do this a lot. I, and, and I think I do it around specifically around like romantic um, acts. Like I, mm. I like to buy flowers, right? I, I oh, like to I love order flowers. flowers for some. They're, it's such a nice gift, right? But it is. I, I, also, I like to do them on the days that aren't obligated. I don't want to yes, do it on Valentine's. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to do it on Thursday because why the fuck not, right? Yeah. And I, I sometimes will say, oh, you know, that's. Just the stupid lame stuff that I do is I just, I, that's mm-hmm. what I like, and I think part of it is like almost a protectant for when of when course. I was like a kiddo is like being the sweet guy, especially in a, a very Hispanic Hispanic culture. Like in ninety eight percent of our population, very Hispanic males uh, or Hispanic, and then you have that that kind of patriarch, I guess that patriarchy kind of idea. Yeah. Um, being sensitive was not something that was attractive. It was something that was pretty looked down upon, Absolutely. and so I I I think I still to this day will kind of sh- mm-hmm. like undermine those acts of, of love or kindness. Yeah, um, yeah. But then on the opposite end, I think for the other individual, it's like, for some reason, I feel like it adds, like, it, I think it's a little confusing. Like, why are you saying that that's 
lame right versus like mm. that that's very not lame like not nobody re- like in that in that those specific relationships like nobody ever has done this for me before so it's not something yeah. that's lame something that i appreciate so why say it like that it's like well just in case you do think it's lame it's a good way yeah. for me to just keep myself safe absolutely yeah and i think too that if you connecting with that that little boy of you to to say like man we got to give this gorgeous girl beautiful flowers there. Like he, he, I bet he would be beaming, you know? And so really trying to make peace with that part of you and honor him when, and think about like, I don't want to diminish him anymore. Like I want to celebrate him and I want him to see how far we've come. Like try to think about that the next time that you start to discount it. And I think it's great that you recognize it's a protective mechanism. And then I would encourage you to take that next step of, so let's like, let's like be these badasses that redefine what masculinity and love and care looks like by not apologizing for showing that affection. I think that understanding what masculinity looks like is, was a very difficult thing for me and not realizing that you can be like, you can hold the door open and say, I'm sorry and say, I love you and say like, just like, and cry, you know, like I, I I was so embarrassed to like cry in front of a partner versus now Mm. it's like, if if I have an emotion of love or care, then it, then it's okay to to, to cry Absolutely. in that space, and it, it is safe. And if that person doesn't allow for that to exist, then that's probably not the place that I should be. Right? That's not a Absolutely. healthy spot. Yes, I totally agree. Yes, I think that we let ourselves stick in those spots. I, I don't know. So I think I think at this point, I'm, I'm, I recognize it pretty well. Where I can, like, okay, this is not my place. I can get out. But like, I think that, and you can tell me you work more with people in this space than I do, but we allow for those boundaries to be pushed pretty often, you know, would you say that that's a valid statement? Yes, Yes, absolutely. Because it's, I think sometimes, like I know that I grew up in a very, uh, and I was actually talking to my mom about this, um, about how there was this need to like prove myself because I was as, as an attractive, articulate, assertive, young woman in the conservative Christian church, I was seen as a distraction. I was seen as somebody who like, like I needed to shrink myself because it wasn't acceptable for me to be who I was. And so I would find myself being in these relationships with men where I had to prove myself. I had to prove that like you were worthy of paying attention to me because you weren't really supposed to be paying attention to me because I was going to cause you to lust and and tempt you and, and, you know, lead you astray on the path to hell. And so I found my, right. And so when I started dating again, like, you know, recently I found myself in that same pattern of I'm attracting men that I need to prove myself to that don't prioritize me. Don't consider me that I have to be like, okay, but see how like amazing I am and like how like smart and sexy and fun I am instead of owning that. So even like a relationship expert like myself, I know that, right. And yet we still can find ourselves in these patterns because I hadn't yet healed that that little girl inside of me who just wanted to be seen, who just wanted to be accepted for who she was. I think that is an unfortunate reality for I think a lot of a lot of little girls are just yeah. like no, it's okay. Like I don't know, you you have to prove yourself beyond just I think being objectified. And yeah, I can't imagine that that's something that's necessarily easy to finally deal with and come to terms with and then to do the work to adjust 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work, <laughs> but it is, I have never been happier. Like I, uh, I was just talking to my husband about this, like tonight actually. And just like, I am so grateful that I spoke up and spoke my truth and just said, I want a different life. I need, I, I, I can't do this anymore. And it's been a, it's been a rocky road at times and great highs and really low lows, but man, it is so much better on the other side. And not that you ever really arrive because I don't believe that like, well, now I'm done. Okay. Happy now. Um, <laughs> you know, there's still that growth and that opportunity and there's still lessons for me to learn, but man, it is a lot easier when you live authentically than when you're fighting who you are. Can I ask you about what mon- non-monogamy looks like for you? Yeah, sure. So for me, I identify as polyamorous. And so that means that I, which is an, is an umbrella term in and of itself. So if that means different things for different people. So I encourage, you know, your listeners, if they do know somebody who's non-monogamous and then you ask them, well, what does that mean? What does that look like? I think that's a beautiful question. Um, for me, it looks like, so I just have one other partner besides my husband and that's it. Like I don't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy dating a lot of men. Like I was very much like, I know that I can give love and support and have a great time with two men in my life. Total. That's all I can do. And I have friends who non-monogamy looks very different for them. And and so that's what it looks like for me. It it does seem again, it, like it depends on what fits your yeah. life. You know, yes. it, it is constantly. Did you have to figure that out at one point or did you yes. already know I have no. two is my, is my limit? No, I definitely did not know at first. And I was like, oh, this is really like fun and exciting. And then I quickly realized how shallow some of the experiences could be shallow for me. They may have been fulfilling and, you know, meeting the needs very like one and done. You could do one night stands or there's lots of different configurations and I didn't find that enjoyable. It didn't make me a better person. And that's really what I'm at that stage in my life. If it doesn't make me better, if it doesn't add value to me, if it doesn't expand, you know, my consciousness, then I'm just not interested. I kind of shifting gears again. I don't know. It's just because it's on my mind. Why? Like, do you think that if I had a, like, I wanted to be in a relationship for three years and that's it. Like, Mm -hmm. Honoring that and being okay with that is, is like, that's, that's cool. That's normal. Again, not normal, right? Again, I, I never said you don't like that word. Uh, it, it, does it like, if that fits my life, then that's okay. Yeah. But I wouldn't like, I would, I put limits on my partner, like the amount of men in my life, because I know the amount of time and energy. I only have so much to give. I think looking at why you put a time limit on a relationship is different. So what I I would work through for you is, you know, looking at there is a biological connection that after three years, like we switch either from that romantic love to a sustained love. And that's where we see a lot of relationships actually break down is because that's the time like biologically where our brain is not flooded with dopamine and like we get the high from being in love and everything. It's like, more tempered. And so some people have a hard time switching from that romantic to the sustained love. And so that's that three-year mark can be actually pretty significant for some people. So if I were working with you, I would, we would take steps to be like, okay, so what's happening lifestyle around that? Is there a reason? Like, so I was talking to a girlfriend the other day whose marriage is really just imploding. And she was, you know, telling me like, well, I just, if I was single, like, 
I just, I would be, you know, financially destitute and nobody would want to date me. And I've, I've got three kids and I'm 40, like who's going to want me. And I said, if that's the story that you want to own, I will not argue with you. But if you want to tell yourself a different story, then I am open to helping you rewrite that. And so if that's one thing I would encourage you, Ben, is to think about like, is that the story that I really want to own? Yep. Every three years, that's all I can do in a relationship. I'm done. Or is there no. a different story that I want to write? No, I think that I think that's the that's a quick answer, right? But I think it's go. a it's a genuine answer. It's one that I I can hear it immediately and say, no, that's not necessarily what I want. No, um, I think it's just learning that at time. Like, how do you stay attracted to somebody? I guess would probably be a <laughs> a, a, a good question. Yeah, I mean, I think that it <sighs> novelty is right? That's the excitement. And I think when you are searching for, depends on what you originally get into your relationship for. So if you are only getting into a relationship with somebody because they got a banging body and they're a good time, that's going to last you maybe a, a year or so. Like that's that if you want somebody that you are, that stimulates you intellectually, that is there to support you emotionally, that may mean that they are like less physically attracted to, you're less feel like sexually, you know, charged or whatever by them, but that is going to make it easier to switch to a sustained love and to maintain a different level of attraction. So I'm not saying that you have to go from like, well, normally I date like nines and now I have to settle for sevens, Courtney, like, thanks. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that a lot of times men, especially when they're like, oh, I'm just, you know, like whatever, I don't care. Like they get into these more shallow based relationships based on really arbitrary characteristics. And so finding somebody like for me, like there was a lot of very attractive men, but I was like, and this was in my bio. <laughs> it said, you know, if the conversation ain't banging, then neither are we. And I meant that I was like, if you are not going to intellectually stimulate me and have a good conversation that like is engaging, I don't care how fucking hot you are. This is going absolutely nowhere. No, thank you. And I owned that. And I have a great partner who's I think is incredibly attractive and stimulates my mind just fine. So I think that I, I, I want to have both, you know, like I want to have yeah. the person that yes, it is a, is a, is a nine that has a banging body, but yeah. I would go insane if I could only look at her and not talk to her. I mean, yes, for fuck, there's no way. I mean, yeah. needs to be able to be somebody who is, I think like, um, I don't know, it, somebody who's, educated that can again like yeah i like a good question asker if somebody if i'm saying yeah. some words and somebody's like well why like i don't know they just come up with like like where did that come from like that was so good like you're really making me think yeah, about think. what yeah. I'm, yeah you're really making me think and i and i really appreciate that it, it's yeah and for some reason i've always thought inside my head oh well they like both don't exist you can't have mm. somebody who's both very attractive and very intelligent those don't go together and yeah. then the more that i got into i guess in, like higher education and whatever uh and continued just to meet with more people um it's like wow you can get both yes you can i 100% agree and again it's that story that we want to believe so i'm telling myself you can't have both because it's a way for me to protect myself and know that I'm perpetually going to be disappointed. If I believe that I can have both and then it like feels elusive, then there's something wrong with me. 
And so that's the belief that you have to address is that limiting belief, that core wound about yourself. Then you can get that bang and bod and that PhD girl. She's out there for you, Ben. I believe in it. Oh man, I, I want her so bad. <laughs> you have no idea, Courtney. I feel like that was, yeah, we're putting some stuff out there. I don't know if this is good or not, but we'll see. Yes, it uh, is. That's, I, and it's true. Like I really do. Like language is so powerful. We speak so much of our reality into truth and we create these narratives that we believe. And that's why I, Gosh, like I'm, I'm sometimes my son will say, who's 10, will say something. I'm like, don't say that. Don't say that. Like, don't speak that into existence. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but, but it's, it's not at the same time because we really, we believe the stories that we tell ourselves and then we create them in the actions and the behaviors we take. Being slow to speak really does provide a lot, a lot of value, right? It's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, Understanding that the not it's the, the 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 energy that I'm putting out is what's going to be I'm going to continue to receive. I, Absolutely, I, yes. I I moved to Las Vegas about six months ago, and before I moved for about a year, I, debating whether I was going to come up here or not. I had a, a coworker who was like, "Oh, it's going to be a terrible place. Like the community is mm-hmm. just bad. You can't really find good people." And I was like, "Oh man, like like that's something that I really value." And and like yeah. It wasn't until after, even on the drive over here, I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Um, I, on my way over here, I stopped at a gas station and a gentleman was like, oh, where are you going? I was like, oh, I'm actually I'm moving to Las Vegas. He's like, oh, that's a rough community out there. And I was like, God, like so much validation for like, maybe yeah. this is the wrong decision. Yeah. Like I need good friends and a good community. Right. Everyone's telling me this is not the place. Yeah. And then I got here and then immediately found like really, really good people that really just, mm. just good friends. And I, it made me think, where is, where is the information coming from? Absolutely. Where is that, that person, if they are, I know they, they drank a lot, especially during that time of their life, like maybe not the nicest person in the world, yeah. then they're probably getting that same thing back. And so mm. it's not that everybody around them was shitty at one point. You got to look in a little bit and realize yeah. what's the root here, and Absolutely. and is it my perspective or or understanding from uh, like somebody else taking a piece of advice from somebody? It's like, well, what is this person's perspective, and and how does that can, can should I take ownership of that in my life or not? Yeah, well, and yeah, do I really want to take advice from relationship advice from someone who's had like 12 marriages? Like maybe not, or like do I want to take money advice from somebody who's like bankrupt and living on their mom's couch. Like probably not, you know? So I think we have to consider the source. And I think as, especially as a military spouse who moves every several years, like we, I have made intentionally decided to make it the best place that we've lived because that is the story that I wanted to tell myself. And it's been a great experience wherever we've been because that was my mindset going into it because I knew like, I'm going to bloom wherever I am planted. I don't care where it is. Yes, are there some more ideal places, like sort of objectively, maybe, but you can find those communities. You can find those opportunities if you look for them and if you believe that they exist. I I believe they exist. You know, I, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's there's something out there for everyone. That, that, yes. that happiness for 
for you may be different than me and, and for anybody else listening, right? It's like that doesn't necessarily maybe specifically resonate with somebody and somebody really fucking hates doing laundry and dishes and they're never going to do them ever in life. That's okay, but you can apply that same concept to any other area in your life where like I like walking my dog once a day or whatever it may be uh, where – I don't like walking my dog every day. He's okay outside for the most part. Um, as long as he's just chasing the cows and having a good time, then we're, we're having a good time. There you go. You know? Yeah. So I think that it's, again, the, the concepts are transferable or the, the skills are transferable. It's not the specifics necessarily that Absolutely. are going to fit my life or yours. Yep. Yep. Hey, Courtney, I think you're pretty cool. I lo- Bad. Thanks. I am cool. (laughs) I'm actually really fun and smart and have a good time. No, no, I, yes, this has been great. You're super cool too. You're right. You know what? That's true. I'm not going to shrink myself. Yes, I am cool. Thank you. (laughs) Goddamn right. You got to fucking live it. How how is it making friends over in the Germany lands? I mean, are you on base, I guess? No. So we live in a German village. Um, I would say it's, there's a lot of Americans in here, so it makes it, less motivating for me to try to meet German people. Um, so, and Germans here are very closed off because they have a very high, there's a high turnover rate of Americans coming in and out. So I would say that they're, it's, it's kind of like the West Virginia of where I live of, of Germany. So um, people are just very small town minded and very closed and it, it has made it difficult at times. And my, and my kids go to German school, so they are fluent and they are in the, the school system, but it's still, you're still an outsider. So That's super cool. That's super neat. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your book as well? Sure. Yeah. So I wrote this book uh, because I really wanted women to realize that they are not alone. Uh, one of the two questions that I get asked the most by women are, what's wrong with me? And am I broken when it comes to sex? And so I wanted to help them to realize that, no, there is nothing wrong with you. And no, you are absolutely not broken. And where do those ideas even come from? And so that's really what the book explores is the history around uh, messaging, you know, historically, and then modern day messaging. It explores, you know, sexual response cycles, explores pleasure, communication, body image. And then it also talks about ways forward and how we can heal and how we can, you know, connect back to ourselves and really start to ask for what we want and create sex lives that feel more authentic. I want to have good sex, Courtney. How do I go about starting to have good sex? Well, I would add one. Do you really believe that you deserve to have good sex? Ooh, what a good question. I hate I that know. question. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, because I that's think... what we say on the outside is, of course I want great sex. And then I'm like, yeah. but do you really? Yes. Uh, the answer to that okay. is yes. I, I I believe that I do deserve to have good, good. sex. I think that I struggle good. in that space. I have a little bit of uh, trauma in that. Re- mm-hmm. grow. Um not super specific, I guess I, I can tell you after we get off, but um, okay. some, some areas in that space that, um, that weren't necessarily the most enjoyable growing up. And so I think that now I wonder how that influences my relationship with sex and then my confidence in, in having sure. sex or in, in sure. the bedroom. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, understanding that it's vulnerable, but 
it's okay and i and i deserve to be i have a good time um mm-hmm. i don't know how does how does traumas how do and i know all traumas are different i guess but um how does something like that end up like bleeding into my into my bedroom i think again it goes back to that part that the parts of us that are preventing us from having the kind of sex that we want is doing it from a place of protection. So if we find ourselves not being able to show up in the way that we want, or we're like, man, that like I just like something's off. It's usually because there's a part of us trying to protect the, the younger part of us that was traumatized or exposed to things that, you know, whatever. Um, and so I think it's like healing that, that part of you and letting them, that part of, you know, like, Hey, like it's okay. And that wasn't your fault. And that we do deserve pleasure and we do deserve good things. We do deserve great sex. That is, that's a part of it. A lot of um, when I work with individuals uh, around this is just that permission. Like I give myself permission to really have a good time. And for people who have a hard time having fun and receiving pleasure, again, not just sexually, like it can feel overwhelming to give themselves permission to have good sex or to have great sex. So I think those are the the two big things is asking, like, do I really believe that I'm deserving of that? And then will I give myself permission to show up in a way that allows me to have good sex? And then the third part is what does good sex mean for me personally, like as an individual? And then what does it mean for my partner or partners in whatever scenario that I'm in so that I can be a a good lover and be considerate and also be uh, receive good love back. I think almost to some degree, I I feel like it's my, it's my duty or my job to make sure that the, my, that my, my significant other, my, my sexual partner is, Mm -hmm. is having a good time. And almost Mm -hmm. like it doesn't necessarily matter that I'm having a good time. So long as Mm -hmm. I get her off, then, then it's a victory and we win. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I am, and I'm second. And I I, I want to hear why the the smile, right? Why? (laughs) Because that is a very um, results based approach to sex. So that we only have a good time if you get off versus what if we just explore each other's bodies and just have fun and bring each other pleasure. And if there's an orgasm, great. And if there's not, there's not. And so I think, Go ahead. <laughs> I almost have a fear that if there's not an orgasm, then that person is going to want to find somebody else that's going to provide that thing for them. Because if I mean, if if I think about what an orgasm is like, the ultimate, it's the climax. It's the ultimate um, release of 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 sensation. All right, sure. uh, a lot of dopamine, a lot of all these things going on in the brain. So then, therefore, if I can provide that experience that's ultimately been like beneficial for this person, not just on a on a on a physical standpoint like a neurological standpoint but also an emotional one like you i think you also end up and i could be wrong not this is not everybody i get it but mm-hmm. like the person that you end up having more organisms with i would imagine you build a connection with that person just based off of it could be very well just based off like like as a drug right where it's like oh i'm getting dopamine from this 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 person sure. and so then they're my dealer <laughs> yeah right they're my dealer yeah that's, that, i love that's terrible my it's dick so dealer good. yeah no i'm Um, I mean, yes and no. I think women, people approach sex for different reasons. And I think that when we only see sex as a means to get off, then we miss all the other purposes of sex. And that's why it's such an important conversation to have with your partner. Because I've had sex with men who 
just, it wasn't that, it wasn't good, like at all. Like it just wasn't good. But I valued the relationship and I, and I started to see sex as a time that brought us closer together, just a physical connection and a time where I felt really close and it felt good. I mean, it's objectively, no, like there were no fireworks or orgasms or anything, but I was able to, because I valued the relationship in other aspects, there was still value to it for me. And so I think that we, again, we diminish our, when we show up and we have something to offer and just because it doesn't result in an orgasm, it doesn't mean it really counts. And I, and I don't think that's, that's fair. And especially for some people, they, they're not looking to just, oh, thank God I got off. Right. Like if that's what they're doing, then that's okay. But I think that makes sex kind of, uh, primitive. And I, and I think you have an opportunity when you're in a relationship with somebody to make it much more meaningful. What a fun, what a fun statement. It's, it's, it makes it much more primitive and that's, it's, it almost like takes away all the, the emotional part, the, the, the emotional building. That's the opportunity to build emotional connection with an individual you yeah. just get to have like a safe place to to make a connection. I think to that, play, to play, to is. have fun. Oh my gosh! Like, can we make sex fun again, please? Can we? <laughs> yes, I, I think that. <laughs> and then, like, I think introducing toys is something that has been recent in my life. Where hmm. you know we we can use like a vibrator, or you know we can use um, I don't know uh, an anal plug. Anal plugs, yeah, you know, <laughs> you. you, know, you it's, Lots of lots of toys, lots of, lots of tools um, that you can use uh, that are okay. Like explore yeah. them, and if you don't like them, you don't like them. If you don't, if you do, then do. Um, yeah. I think that what's weird, I think, is even I've never really had any complaints. Right, I, I've always heard good things, but it's I almost don't trust that that person's telling me the truth. And I will, I know this is super unattractive and I tell people this all the time, uh, but I'm going to ask you a one out of 10. How was, how, how did it go? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, was this an eight, a nine, a 10, a three? And, and if it was a, a three, then what would have made it a four, right? Like mm-hmm. where was the miscommunication that didn't allow for you to have a good experience? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I don't really ever get a three, but like that, then maybe that's my extreme example. But um, even if it's an eight, it's like, oh, it was an eight. It was, it was, it was good. It's like, well, I don't want to just be, I don't want it to just be good. I want it to be great. So like, mm-hmm. what's that nine and what's that 10? What was, is there, you know, do you like dirty talk more? Do you want to use more toy? Um, like where in that can we explore more that allows you to also have a good experience? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh no, it was like, it was fantastic. Like, I think that it was great just the way it was. I'm like, there's room for improvement. Where's the improvement? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, but that's a very like, <sighs> check sheet out here thing. And you may be with a partner that isn't ready to give that feedback or they're, they're not interested in evaluating it from that perspective. Like how do you quantify or, you know, evaluate emotionally how it made me, I felt safe with you. Oh yeah. Right. Like, I think that's something that a lot of times we for just even that aspect, like, Okay, so I felt safe with you. I guess that's a 10 because I feel like I can be myself. But like, you know, like, no, you could have done a better job of of licking me, you know? Like, so, I mean, it's it's very problematic when we try to evaluate ourselves in that way. I would encourage you to say, 
um, you know, like what is something that you really enjoyed me doing or that you enjoyed in this experience? And what is something that you would like to try next time? Or you would like to see me do a little bit differently next time? And even in the moment, you could say, do you, would you, would it feel better to be harder or would you, could, should it, should this be softer? Like, can you, like, I, like, I want to know what feels, especially new partners. Like there's, I think people forget that sex is a skill and that some people just like basketball or, you know, dancing, like there are some people who are just like, did you, are you Michael Jordan? Did you like, just like come out of the womb that way? Like, (laughs) hot damn, you're good at what you do. And there are other people and you're just like, no amount of basketball clinics in the world are going to get you to be like Michael Jordan. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. So, right. I mean, okay. That's not very kind, but you know what I mean? Like learning to, it's a skill, but it's not an objective game like basketball because everybody's, you know, slam dunk is different because of, you know, especially if you're heterosexual, how a woman climaxes or how her body, like different parts of her will feel differently in each person. And so that's a, yeah, I would give yourself some more grace and reconsider your evaluation system. <laughs> I've, I've done it in the past where it was like, are you seriously asking me? <laughs> oh, one out of 10 I've never had right anybody now? flat out give me a scale before. That's a fun one. <laughs> you know, it's usually taken so well, you know, they're just like, oh yeah, I definitely want to evaluate how, mm. this entire experience mm-hmm. seconds after we've completed. Oh, this you is- do it right <laughs> after? Ben, oh my gosh, no, you do, please. Oh, I cannot. I'm, uh, I'm embarrassed for you. Oh my gosh. Uh, maybe not like right after, but uh, pretty, pretty short oh, after. Okay. After, okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Five minutes max. Okay, okay we're, we're 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 learning now. So we're learning that we're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> so so we don't do that at all. That's just not that's just not the thing at all. Um, it's not. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, was is there something that you would enjoy more of? And like, yeah, I would enjoy. I or like, actually, I don't enjoy oral sex at all. So can you please not do that? Or yeah, I'd like it if you fingered me while you also did blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, cool. Like, that's great. So giving me specific examples. And then is it okay if when we're in the moment that I ask you, like, do you want it harder or softer or a little bit here, a little bit there? Because it that's not what we see in the movies, right? That's not what we see in porn. We It's just this innate knowing of like, well, of course he knows where to put his dick. Like, then she's going to come 25 times. And that's just not how, that is not reality. Like, and that what? is kind of, I know, spoiler alert, friends. Like, that's just, sorry to disappoint you. So like, that is a part of getting to know your partner. Just like if you cook for them, like, did you enjoy the chili? Like, man, it was really spicy. But maybe the last girl you made it for, she was like, it wasn't spicy enough. So learning to communicate how can I meet your needs? Because that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in meeting your needs because your pleasure matters to me. And I want to establish communication in all areas of our relationship. I have oh, so many things. So, okay. No more one out of tens. Got it. Okay. okay nope. Got it. Um, asking more, I guess, open-ended questions is really, is really the ticket there. And I think that yes. it, it just, it tends to be that same reality in, in, I think most conversations, right? Like yeah. if you really want to get to know somebody, you ask, don't ask the yes or no's, but ask the, the open-ended. Um, what happens when I have somebody who maybe 
is oh whatever anything anything goes mm-hmm. it's like well like what does that mean to you like that that doesn't that doesn't if you give me everything you're not really giving me anything right i would say can you give me one thing that really like turns you on like one or one area of your body that you really like me paying extra attention to good one yeah. and then and then start there but then yeah then start there and then you can make it like a scavenger hunt like okay and then i'm going to move here so how does this how does this feel and giving them permission to be like eh, i don't really know that's not so much. oh yeah no i like that okay and then like you're taking note and again but the purpose of that isn't an orgasm the purpose of that is exploring pleasure experiencing pleasure having fun playing if your partner knows because women feel that pressure like we feel that like okay it's already been 10 minutes and i haven't come yet and like he's going to be wondering like what's wrong with me why can't i get there so if we take that off the table and say i don't give a shit if you have an orgasm not because i don't want to give you one but because i don't want you to feel pressure to do that i'm interested in getting to know how you react to how i please you that's good i know <laughs> <laughs> that's good so stuff like bdsm stuff where we, we like mm-hmm. choking and things like that i think i i almost worry that i that i'm gonna hurt somebody at times sure. and i know that there's like there there's definitely cues like put the hand on top of the hand and like we you tap or, or pull or whatever it may be mm-hmm. um but it's still a I'm a pretty strong guy, right? I'm a pretty, mm-hmm. I'm a pretty big dude. Um, and I, at times like, oh no, like you can go harder. And it's like, yes, but like, I'm worried that I'm going to like break your trachea. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm going to, to murder you. Um, I, like how does somebody navigate I me? Mean, like, I, I guess maybe specifically in the, the choking world, but any sort of like bondage kind of like game I mean, having the safe word i guess is is kind of what comes to my head but like what are some other things that you would kind of suggest yeah i my i would suggest like what like what asking them what has been your experience with choking in the past like how far have you gone like can you show me with my i'm going to put my hand on you can you squeeze my hand to the point where it feels like i need to stop so that they're the ones in control so that way you get an idea of that um, I think sometimes people, especially women will be like, yeah, choke me, like bang, like whatever you got to do, like do flog me. And you're like, do you actually enjoy that? Or do you think that that's what he enjoys? Like, I see this with deep throat stuff too. Like, do, do you really enjoy that? I mean, good for you, girl, if you do, but are you, or are you just doing that because that's what you've seen in porn and that's what you think he's expecting you to do. And so having that conversation of, I don't expect you to do that. Or if, is that something that you think that I want you to do or what has been your experience with this? And is this something that you like, that this really turns you on? And that's great. Like, again, not from a judgment perspective, but really from a place of curiosity of, so that you're really getting to know your partner. But I think a lot of that, um, oh, there's so many assumptions made because of porn. It just, Makes me so angry. Yeah. Is, is does porn ruin sex? Um. Gosh, you know I'm not anti-porn. Let me. I would like to say that I'm not anti-porn. I am a smart consumer of porn. 
I think that people should be smart consumers. And I think people need to remember it is for entertainment. It is not for education. And so it's like watching NASCAR and remembering that's not how you drive. That is what you watch for entertainment. I'm not going to have my son watch NASCAR and be like, okay, now go out and drive. We'd be like, what the fuck? Like, no, that's a terrible idea. And yet that's what so many of our adolescents are doing is they're watching porn. It's, I can't even tell you how many men in their 20s. I'm just like, that's not how women's bodies, that's not, no, that's not, what? And I know it's because their education was porn. You don't just like slap it as hard as you can? I mean, no, that sadly just doesn't, you just jam it in there a bunch of times in like five minutes, you're not squirting everywhere. I am shocked. Shocked. I want my money back. Damn. I think uh, it's, I think, I mean, I was exposed to porn very early on and I think that it does, it almost makes me feel less than, like if I can't perform to that degree, then, and, and, and remembering that. There's a even even though that I I know that you know that people are injecting Viagra straight into their penis right they they are like people have prepared days or whatever it is to to allow for the best production oh, yeah. value to exist yeah. and even if I know that thing it's still inside my head where I'm like man but I'm not you know I'm not performing like that so like how can I perform that way um I think it, it what it is, way is I, that um. You know, I I really I think it depends on the I, I, it depends on the video, I guess. Okay. Or like, um, I, I think I was using more as an example. To be honest, okay. it would create more <laughs> in, in ambiguity. Um, okay. I, I don't I don't necessarily need to be just for like, like railing somebody every single time. Yeah, that's not enjoyable for me. It's Is not it, enjoyable I, for us usually either. And I've I've learned that where it's like, hey, there is a limit here where now it's just painful and like. I'm like, I don't know, some, some, some people are, I guess, more accepting of that, like allowance of like, I want to ha- get like, quote unquote, railed, right? I want you to fuck me. But yeah. then at the same time, it's like, there's, it's not, that's not every single time that that's just right. would be tiresome. It's like, when can we also add in like, when can we, when can we just make love or just yep. like have oral play or just yep. have finger play? Like all of yep. those things are still very much so attractive and sexy and fun. Absolutely. And, it does. It's not just let me bend you over and rail you for five minutes and then we're done. Yeah. Yes. And I think that again, that's a lot of women, especially younger women. I wouldn't say women my age per se, but young, especially women in their twenties, I think have that like, oh well, men are expecting me to do that, and so then that's why I'm like, well, I just want you to fuck me. And it's like, do you really want me to fuck you, or do you think that that's what I want? Because. I think when it's like somebody has to be, you know, courageous enough to say, I don't really enjoy just like railing you. Like, that's not very fun for me. And like some, okay, thank God, because like, I don't really like that either. <laughs> and again, there's a, t- like, I get it. I, and when you said that, like, oh, I just want you to fuck me. Like my mind went to, it doesn't have to necessarily just be the railing. It's the passion. It's the excitement. And that can happen in a missionary position, you know, but you can get fucked being in missionary position and you can make love in missionary. Position. It's the energy that you bring to it. It's the, it's the foreplay that leads to the actual penetration. And so I think that's really for most women and who I've worked with and I've talked to, it's really the passion and the excitement. It's the energy of that is the approach to the fucking versus just the railing. 
I think most guys don't. Maybe I'm wrong, and this is maybe from my own personal experience, but I don't think most guys really like to rail all the time. Like it's like, yeah. But nobody's willing to speak up and say, "Man, I'm getting really tired doing this shit. I would like to just slow down a little bit." You know, like, yeah. Oh, like it's tiring. You know, I got to put in yeah. work, and I'm like coughing over here, and ooh, you know. <laughs> yeah, my uh. rhythm's off. Like, yeah, no, I and. Again, it's that vulnerability in sex. And if we see it as a performance, then of course we're going to get frustrated with ourselves because we're not showing up and we're not delivering whatever performance, the railing, the the moaning, oh gosh, that drives me insane. I'm like, there is no way we are up here in our octaves of moaning women when the first (laughs) two minutes, it is not possible. I am sorry. You're a fucking faker. You are. I, I get very sketched out when I start hearing too many moans too soon. Like it's the no. high pitch. It's the high pitch part because it is like it's a gutter. Like it starts low, and the closer you are to climaxing, the higher pitches that it gets. So that's just fun fact. Like for unless you're a very tiny, small percentage of women who can come like very, very quickly, um, those moans are based on what we see in porn and based on what we think men want to hear. How do you have you dealt with anybody who's who's in, in, being a female has not like doesn't have the hasn't got to the point where they have had an orgasm like they they, they haven't accessed that part yet and how does I would imagine that's a kind of a a tough place to be for themselves mm-hmm. internally like there's something again there's something wrong with me right. how do you navigate that that conversation Gosh it's been a really long time since I've worked with somebody who hasn't had an orgasm um I mean, I would say, you know, it, it, again, it comes back to, do I, do I believe that I'm deserving of an orgasm? Do I give myself permission to have an orgasm? Like so much of that, a, a lot of women who struggle with orgasming has to do with control. Like it feels out of control for me to just let go and release. And just, even if it's by myself, like that feeling that buildup can feel so overwhelming and unsafe for some people. And they're just like, and I'm going to shut it down. It's not okay for me to do that. So it's requires a lot of unpacking of what's causing that before we can just be like, just go get a vibrator. Like, just like go like watch some porn, you know, like that's, that's not going to help it. Does that, do you think toys can take away from a, an experience with a, with, with another human being? Um, uh, my my initial answer is no, but then I also need to caveat that it depends on the intention of the people. So if you are in a relationship and you're like, I just really like the sex is not like that fun. And like the toy is the only thing that is really like that I'm enjoying here. And I don't mean because there are some women who just they need a different type of stimulation and the whatever their partner is willing to offer them or give them, they it's not resulting in the orgasm that they want. And so I don't think there's anything wrong with incorporating an aid. It's kind of like, can I use a stand mixer or do I, you know, mash the potatoes by hand? Like there's nothing wrong with using an aid to help you. But if you're like, oh, thank God the aid is here. I don't really care about the person that I'm having sex with. That's a different issue. So I think that toys can absolutely enhance lots of things, the experience, but it can also replace if the intentions and the the relationship is is not in the best of state. So I think that's a really good answer. Oh, that was that was that was yeah. 
man, you really are just like, you're killing it today. What time? Man, it's just, damn, it's a day. Do you have coffee before this? How do you do it? No, I didn't. That's the funny thing. I was like, man, I I did. So I never have chai, like the chai tea latte, because I don't like all the sugar that's added in it. But I went out to lunch with my mom today and I had one. And um, I was actually talking to my boyfriend before this. And he was like, you seem like you're kind of nervous. And I was like, I don't know. Like I normally don't get nervous before podcast interviews. And he was just like, yeah, you just like seem kind of like weird. And I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe it was a chai tea latte and now I'm <laughs> killing it. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> Chai tea is the way to go. You can't I go guess. Chai yeah. tea latte. Yeah. Oh, I love a good chai tea. How does um, somebody's nutrition affect the way that their oh, sex, yeah. in, 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 their, their relationship with sex goes? I mean, significantly, if you don't feel good in your body, like emotionally, like, or just physically, uh, like that is going to affect your ability to really let go and enjoy sex. You know, like if you're like, oh my gosh, like I've got so much indigestion or I'm like bloated or I haven't had a bowel movement in three days. Like that's not a lot of fun to work with or not. And it's not fun to feel either. And that energy is contagious. And so just bringing that to the bedroom is really, yeah, it's problematic. So definitely, I think, you know, when people are like, well, how can I have better sex? It's really a holistic approach. It's, are you, how much are you moving? How are you, how are you doing like mindfulness stuff? How's your nutrition? How's your sleep? Like there are so many aspects that they just all depend on each other. I like it. I wonder, you know, I, I, there are definitely times in my life where I've been maybe better with my diet and then times where I was less, less ideal with diet. And it really does make a significant difference with, with how I feel. And I think that like, I'm too full kind of thing. It's like, if I have cheese at the end of the day, I, <laughs> it's not okay that I, I feel like it's not okay that I say that I'm, that I'm too full, but Hey, that's a real thing. Like I, yeah. I don't feel well in my stomach, but it could be, yeah. it, you know, it could have been a really, it's also a good remember, like, I think a good cue for me, it's an, an additional cue to say, Hey, this isn't healthy for me to begin with. Like, Mm-hmm. If I want to take care of myself and provide myself the best chance for an opportunity, um, then I should take care of myself. And yeah. so I don't have the dairy. And if it leads to, and if I do am, am confronted with the situation of having sex in the evening, then I feel more confident and comfortable in that moment yeah, because I didn't absolutely. choose to do the thing that was less ideal for my, for who I am. And I think it's a way to honor your relationship too. You know, I see that sometimes with men when it comes to drinking, you know, they're like, my erections aren't as good. I don't, it takes, takes me longer, meaning, you know, like they just don't feel like they're as in it. And so they want to honor their relationship by being like, you know what, I'm not going to have that second, you know, shot or glass of wine or because I want to be more present or I want to not perform per se, but like just have a better experience, sexual experience. I, oddly enough, I feel like I, not too long ago, I had a partner that I was like very physically attracted to and was sober. And, um, I, for whatever reason was maybe I, I, it was harder for me to have that experience or I was hard for me to get hard. And Mm. that was super weird for me. And like, why does that kind of stuff happen? Um, that's a good question. You know, I think there can be this like buildup. I mean, there's a couple things that come to mind, but the first thing is like, there's could be this buildup of, I'm so attracted to her. This is going to be so amazing. But then this 
protector in us is like, yeah, but what if it's not as amazing? So then like, okay, let's not like fully show up. So then we can kind of like self-sabotage so that we protect ourselves. So then we're like, ah, see, like, and then we kind of keep this like build up in our mind of, and that preserves the fantasy. Damn. But, but I wanted it to be a good time. (laughs) Of course. I have, I, I have had an experience these hundred percent. I know exactly what that's like. I, I have, yes, had that experience. It, it it can happen to women too. Absolutely. Really? Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, Yes. What I don't understand always is when, like, I don't necessarily always trust that the, that my, that the lady that I'm with is currently turned on. And mm. it's like, well, there's like, there's a physiological cue sure. of understanding that this person is now more lubricated and therefore most likely turned on, but it's sure. still something that's like, well, are you sure? You know, I, I yeah. don't know. Why does that? And, and so is it normal for, or does it happen where a female just doesn't like they, they just don't, you know, self lubricate at all? Yes. I mean, there's different conditions and depending on where a woman is in her menstrual cycle, that can also affect age also affects, um, her, like her wetness or her lubrication. But yeah, I mean, there's definitely women who have, can be physiologically, like physically turned on, but not, they're like, I'm not consenting. I do not want to do that. I'm not wanting to do this. And there's the opposite. There's women who are like, yes, like I want this so bad, but for whatever reason, they're just drier than usual, or they're just always more dry. And so it's, that's why getting verb, like, I want you, I want this, like, please don't stop. Like whatever the cues that you have are, are so important because, and and that's, I tell people you're, you need to be clear that your yes is yes and your no is no. So if you have a, a patient, a client that says like, like, no, 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 like, then, then we're done. Like, and this is not a game. Like, I don't, I don't buy into the like, well, like my no, like really meant yes. And like pushing that. I'm like, absolutely not. Like we are, we're, there are so many games that we can play in this world, but like consent games are, are not ones that I mess around with. That one's a, that one's a scary one for me. I mean, th- throughout college is one that I always was very fearful of even um, like, and this k- kind of relates and kind of doesn't. So I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack first. So when I have a partner who's like, I like this, this play of no, when I say, please stop, I don't mean, please stop. Or like, um, and at, at what point, and even after the sex is, is completed, like mm-hmm. we've had the conversation, Hey, it, the, the, the keyword is this, mm-hmm. anything outside of that. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to please say like, I'm going to ask you the, the nose and it's going to be okay, but it still doesn't feel comfortable within me mm-hmm. to yeah. still move forward with that. It's like, I, if you're telling me, please know after th- again, like three or four times and I'm like, okay, now where is this line? I, I know we've had it agreed upon word here but Mm -hmm. it's still it still goes against everything that i've that i've that i've been telling myself and that i've been educated on yeah it it, that's i don't know that's a tough one for me yeah i mean i would say then don't engage in it would be like i just i don't really enjoy that so like can we do something else instead i i would encourage you'd be like do you not think that you deserve to say yes because when I was in college and I was dating, this was before like pleasure centered Courtney showed up 20 years later. It was like, I, if I say yes, then that, there's something wrong with me. 
like that means I'm too sexual and that's bad and that's wrong. And so this whole idea of women being like, no, 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 but dear God, please, yes, because we do want it. I think that is a lot of that's conditioning. So when I have been raised to, that's my job is to say no, but please, please. I mean, I really don't mean it. I really don't mean it. Like is to have that conversation of how can we get you to start saying yes? Like, what do you not feel like you deserve to say yes? Like, it does it feel like, where the fuck does that need to say no come from? Like, own it. Be like, I want you so fucking bad right now. Yes, please. Like, I'm not interested in being with somebody who's not there. That's cool. Um, <laughs> what about, I've, I've heard, I've never been involved with, and I'm going to go back to the thing that I was going to talk about in college here in a moment, um, of, of rape play. Or a rape fantasy. That to sure. me is very scary and very like I'm just supposed to know. I think there's a comedian. I think Tom Segura has a bit about it um, where he goes into this girl's room and he's like trying to make a move. And she's like, no, 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 stop. He's like, OK. And then tries again. No, 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 stop. And then finally he's like, all right, well, then like I guess I'm going to leave. And then he gets a call from her the next day. He's like, hey, what happened the other night? He's like, what are you talking about? You told me no. It's like, well, I really I, I have a rape fantasy. I was hoping you would just continue no matter what. It's like. I mean, I'm just supposed to know that and just like rape you on the whim that yeah. you like this. Like that's insane. Yeah. I mean, so there's a thing it's called consent, not or see, consensual, non-consensual, if that makes sense. So it is a, it's a type of BDSM that is like a scene, but you have to have agreed upon parameters beforehand. Like it's a whole, like a lot of BDSM is it's play. And so think of it like you're, it's like an act in a way, but it's also a part of you. And so I think that people don't realize that the extra prep work that takes to get into the consensual, non-consensual, you know, rape plays or whatever you want to call it. I think that they can be fulfilling for the people that are involved, but it requires a lot of communication beforehand, trust, you know, whatever of those things. It's not, that scenario, but with that comedian, no, that is, that would, no, no, no. He was smart to walk away. I would not pursue a relationship, a sexual relationship with someone who thinks that that's an acceptable way to communicate their desires for a non a consensual, non-consensual situation. Like, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, agreed. So uh, I'm going to go back to the thing in, in college. So when I was around in college, I, it was, I guess, where like, like me too, I guess maybe, maybe where me too really took off or where I was more conscious of it at the time, um, of this being uh, really popular. And I, what scared me the most was where I would maybe have some, some rough sex with somebody. And then they could very well say that even if it was, if everything's consensual, we're all good. Everything's good. We go home either months, years later, like decades later, this person can come back if I am successful in my own rights and then and said, well, actually in college, he raped me. Mm -hmm. And like, it, it seems that, and there, there's no, there's no win for, like they, they go with her word. And mm -hmm. that to me just seems very, I don't know, maybe unfair is not the right word here, but, um, it doesn't seem right. I don't know. I don't, but I don't like it. It, it created a lot of fear and angst around finding and sexual partners and dating. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't know which person is going to um, not, you know, or, or maybe potentially in the future do this. Because I, I was a, I was a collegiate athlete um, mm -hmm. and was getting paid to do my thing. And, and so, you know, at what point does somebody come back and like, Oh, actually, you know, we were in college together and like, this is what happened. 
It was very yeah, I mean, yeah, very long yeah, there's not a there's no guarantee. I think that that would I would encourage, and this is something that I will encourage, especially my son, because uh, I mean, well, just is to pick partners wisely. Like you pick pick wise partners, and so if that means that you're not going to walk into a bar and pick the hottest chick that you see because. You need to be a little bit more careful because of the high profile that you have. Then I guess you're going to have to use some more discretion. Like that's just the reality of it. Um, I would say for every woman that, you know, you think, gosh, like, I hope this doesn't, she doesn't come back to accuse me. Like there's a lot of asshole men out there who do violate women and like treat us like shit. I've had multiple long-term relationships where people have had, have had men who had a like knows they're either their first partner at times or mm-hmm. it could have been somebody that they were with for a long a long time that ended up in the middle of the relationship you know committing some sort of sexual assault and mm-hmm. it was weird to me to find out that that was a reality mm-hmm. um maybe i was disconnected because i only knew what was inside my bubble and what i got to experience yeah. but then i started to hear from other other women or like there was a uh, some study i forgot where it came out of but they had these these women wear specific like dresses or tags or whatever and they would go to a bar and then they could see how many times they were groped and it mm. was insane numbers and i was yeah. like this i didn't even realize that people were actually i thought it was a joke you know like oh, oh yeah. like this is in the movies but no it's it's <clears throat> really fucking real oh it is i mean you would be even on like dating apps the audacity of the questions that men have asked me, the things that they have said to me is just, it's disgusting. It's a, it's appalling. It's yeah. I mean, let alone what it's like for me to be in a bar, like, with, yeah, it's, yeah. I, it's, I started to get messages on my Instagram from some random dudes and <laughs> It, it it's it's never it's never women i feel like you know it's like hey like you look attractive man like what like what's you like what uh, and it usually starts very benign like hey how's it going i'm like i don't know who you are but like i yeah i appreciate sure, I'll be you friendly. Know. yeah, yeah. I'll be friendly. why not right um and it quickly turned like i remember one i had some guy just sent me like a video of him licking some other guy's ass and then i was like what do you like? What? Who opens with that? Like, the, hey, how right. are you? <laughs> What's and the then, outcome that you think is going to happen here? Yeah, I would imagine that women get get. I I was going to say get to uh, women see more of that kind of like shittiness, and and, and I just oh, yeah. I don't I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I I get messaged on Instagram. It's usually like like, hey, beautiful, hey, sexy. And it, the funny, the funny part is, is that most of them don't know that I'm non-monogamous. Like I'd say 99% of them don't know I'm non-monogamous. And so I'm like, okay, let's see how good this is going to get. Like, let's see like where you're going to go with this and how many men actually are like turned off because they're like, oh, I, I, wait, what? Like you, you're open to date, like going out. Sure. You want to go on a date? Yeah. Okay. And they're like, aren't you married? I'm like, absolutely. And then they're like, wait, but your husband, no, like it just like, just snowballs or they, 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 because they wanted to like cheat. They wanted to like have this excitement of like, Ooh, this older woman or like, Ooh, I got this, this got the, was able to get this woman to cheat on her husband or whatever. And I'm like, what? Yeah. But no, I have some, 
or under just, I can't even tell you how many men are like, oh, I really need your help with my problem. Like, can I send you a picture of it? Absolutely not. No, I, this is how much I charge per hour. And that usually shuts the conversation down. But yeah, it's it's a really fun profession to be an attractive female in the sexuality world. I I can imagine. I have, I'm have looking to get somebody else here in Vegas who's, another, who's a, a sex therapist and who is uh, non-monogamous as well. Oh, okay. And I, I really, and also an attractive lady. And I am in, like... I can't imagine that it's a very easy time, especially, I mean, like, I don't know. It, I think we've seen the, the, the stuff on, I mean, maybe we haven't, I don't know if you have, but like the, the, maybe I have uh, the like therapist has sex with, you know, like whatever. Oh, yeah. Right. And I, I would get asked that- by that. Yes. Yeah, so often, like, so have you ever like fucked a client and I'm like, and we're done, we are done. We are done talking that that is a definitely a, a conversation stopper. It's like, it's fun to watch. Sure. That's, that is your, maybe a, a fantasy for yeah. somebody, but that is not the way that this relationship is designed. This, this no. relationship and my role here is to, to, to make your life better, not just to bring clients in and then fuck them and then move on. Like that's insane. Well, and what I say to them is, is that people come to me when they feel like they are at their most broken sometimes and to violate that trust and that sense of safety in that space is not only unethical, it's disgusting. Like, and I'm not a rule follower in general. Like, I'm like, eh, I don't really follow these rules. But when it comes to that, when people are so, oh, like they trust me with their most deepest, darkest things, I would never violate that. And the fact that you find that you even think to entertain that idea, like, I get it. Yes, we see it in porn. Like, yeah, it's fun and whatnot. But like, that you lack the insight to like really think that through, like that is not somebody I want in my life. Yeah. Have you fired clients before? I have not continued with clients. So usually what I've done in the past is done a container. And then I will say, I think this it's probably best that you find someone else to work with or like what we were able to accomplish. Like we got what we came for type of thing. Yeah. That's a, good, that's a good way to go about it. That's very professional. That's cool. I'm very professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, part of uh, we're gonna we're gonna tune out here very soon. Um, I wanted to ask just for somebody who may be interested in getting to, I guess maybe find their own therapist or mm-hmm. um, relationship counselor. How how do they go about that space? And then, yeah. um, how does it, it? Somebody who's listening, who's inspired by your journey and wanted to take something like similar and become somebody who also helps others in those struggles, how you get, how, what's the education like for that? So it depends. So I'm a little different. So I have two master's degrees. One is in education and human sexuality, and one is in mental health counseling. And then I also have a certification in life coaching. So I am a bit unique in that I blend the two fields together. Um, I think To answer your first question, it depends on what you're wanting help with. So a lot of times therapy will look at, look backwards, look at the past and try to heal that and figure out like what's going on and what's um, preventing me from really being in the present. And coaching is much more like looking to the future. And a lot of times those are like containers. So like I'm going to work with a coach for six months on how to like build my business or I'm going to work like with a personal trainer for six months on, you know, to 
build muscle, whereas therapists, you don't usually work in a container. It's pretty open-ended and ongoing. So depending on what it is that you're looking for, um, that will really guide which way you're going. Some, some therapists can do like help you look forward and some coaches can like myself can help you go back and like, let's look at the, you know, the wounds and the, some of the childhood stuff. Um, but you know, finding a, a helper, a guide, a therapist, coach, healer, whatever is a lot like dating. It's really finding what fits good and knowing that there's a lot of choices out there and trying to find somebody that you feel safe with and that you vibe with. I think that's really important. Um, if somebody wants to do some of the similar work that I do, it kind of depends on what your route is. If you want to do the traditional academia and go to, you know, be a counselor or therapist, you're going to have to go to graduate school and you're going to have to take a bunch of tests. You're going to have to find a supervisor. I find it a huge pain in the ass, to be honest. Um, and I'm not a big fan of the medical model of how a lot of the traditional therapists look at the, the brain and the mind. Um, so I kind of just opted out of that. And, but they, a lot of people be in the medical world, they accept insurance. And so then people will come to you if they, if you take their insurance. And so then that's much more likely to be a, a guaranteed income or you work for an agency and they require you to be licensed. Well, that requires you to have a degree to do that uh, versus coaching. It's a lot. You can, I mean, you don't need a certificate to do that. Uh, you can just hang a shingle up and call yourself whatever. But I don't recommend that, especially if you're dealing with, you know, people's emotions and relationships and stuff like that. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, where do people find your book? Um, plug, promote all the stuff you got. And then uh, leave us with a little bit of advice. I think just kind of sum up what you, what you think for today <laughs> or how you're feeling right now. Um, let's see. So you can find me at Courtney Boyer Coaching. I'm pretty much on all the social media. Courtney with a C. And then my website is CourtneyBoyerCoaching.com. My book, Not Tonight, Honey, is on Amazon and also on my Instagram links, you know, pretty much any booksellers, you can find it on that. It's on Kindle as well. And then um, right now I am offering intensives. So for people who are looking to uh, do a basically like a boot camp for their sexuality and really reconnect with themselves, I'm offering uh, 30 day intensives to work with me. And then next year, I'm super excited for this. I'm going to start offering retreats, so sexual empowerment weekends for small groups and then also one-on-one. -on -one. So where it is three days of just all about working through your sexuality stuff and really creating a sex life that works for you. I love it. Thank you. Well, thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate it. We're going to end the, end the recording and then we'll stay on the call for a little bit if you don't mind. Sure. Um, so. Thank you all again. Make sure you guys go check out the book. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Love you all very much and be safe. Take care. Courtney, we'll see you again. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes.